Hello and welcome back to The Organist On Course. This is Robert Hope Jones again at the microphone, coming to you all the way from Hong Kong. Emotions. We're all capable of feeling them, so I've heard. It's safe to say, though, that the theatre organ is an instrument capable of evoking the whole gamut of emotions. But why? Well, I'm sure science has dissected the many reasons why our bodies react to music the way they do, yet I can only speak for myself on how our beloved instrument can weave itself into the recesses of the heart and effortlessly tug on strings long forgotten. I'm certain many of the same factors affect us all. It could be the haunting quality of sobbing tibias, wailing the blues in glorious stereo out into the darkness of a vast room, or the full dynamic range of sound interacting with the space that fires off nerve networks up and down the spine. Hector knows exactly what I'm talking about.
Ooh, Hector Oliveira there giving us a full-spectrum spine tingle at the 442 Moller in the Fox Theatre, Atlanta. Back in 1939, some of the most lyrical sounds of the day were being beamed out across the airwaves of New York from the ninth-floor studio of the Paramount Building in Times Square. A pure combination of phrasing perfection, liquid tibias, strident strings and lyrical diapasons, all under the duit expressive control of the original master and poet of the organ, Jesse Crawford. Here is an excerpt from a 1939 NBC broadcast where a captive maid is wooed by a flute. Whatever that means. give you the dinner concert, featuring Jesse Crawford, poet of the organ, bringing you his musical etchings. sky blue water, they brought a captive maid, and her eyes, they are lit with lightning, and her heart is not afraid. But I steal to her lodge at dawning, and I woo her with my flute. She is sick for the sky blue water, the captive maid is mute.
Of course, we can have a beautiful sounding instrument bolstered by a glorious acoustic, but if the artist can't access the feeling embedded within the music, for me, a vital component is missing. Let's stay with the Crawford organ, but hear it in its second manifestation at the Richard Loderhose studio. Thank you. 
that's unmistakably a very young Johnny saying there, and happiness is a thing called Joe. That's quite a harsh sounding recording with some reverb added there, but it sort of lends a soulful quality to those tibias. And John's playing always seems to bring out the emotion of the lyric in a ballad in a very singy way. You could say it's a sengi-singi or singi-sengi way. A big thank you to Damon Cox and Stephen Ashley, who both rushed to get me a decent copy of that track. I'm not going to say whose copy I used. And Stephen, I know you're celebrating your 28th anniversary at the moment in the Costa del Sol, so a happy anniversary to you and yours. Tapping into the lyrics is perhaps the golden key to drawing out the true depth of a heartfelt song played the way it's supposed to be sung. Musicians like Frank Sinatra used phrasing to bear down on a bedazzled public as he went into the depths of himself to embody the music. Like the singer who can stand on stage and intimately pour out their heart, so too can the great organist. I suppose they're sort of like console crooners.
Gosh, that was the late, great Dan Bellamy from a live 2003 concert at the Cinema Organ Society's flagship Wurlitzer at the South Bank University, wringing out every ounce of emotion from that arrangement of Once in a While. Dan really shone during live performances and dredged his heart when he played a ballad. Seated at that organ in that venue, it was truly an intimate experience that I'll never forget. Thanks go to John Leeming for capturing the moment. While a ballad's lifeblood is the lyric, it also relies on the skill of the organist to put the organ under their creative pattern. Pierre Fracalanza, a ranger extraordinaire, brings the two together perfectly in this tender arrangement of This Time, The Dreams On Me.
What glorious sounds Pierre gets out of his 450 virtual pipe organ. I do hope we hear more from Pierre in the future. He truly is a master of his craft. Sometimes the organist looks to the heavens for inspiration. Well, I say this next organ and the room it once lived in was a manifestation of heaven. Let's bathe in it. Bill Floyd, spiritually cleansing, sweet low, sweet chariot, and need I tell you the instrument? <laughs> of course, it was the 436 Wurlitzer in the Paramount Theatre, New York. You must excuse me for hanging around the Paramount for so long during this episode. It's a bit like a musical magnet for me. Of the many artists I've had the privilege to know and spend a little time with, I think Simon Gledhill stands out in one very unique way, in my opinion. Having observed him play up close from the side of the console, he reminds me of some of the great jazz pianists who almost disappear during a performance and with their facial expressions showing great emotion as they channel it through the keyboard. Here is an elegant example of him doing just that. Thank you. 
Simon Gledhill there demonstrating the fine art of merging with the music on the 437 Wurlitzer in the Wichita Century II Performing Arts Center, Kansas. American organist Gordon Kibbe was respected among his peers, with artists such as George Wright revering him for his unique style. I believe Kibbe gratefully influenced Buddy Cole, and you can hear similarities in both registration and their distinctive heart-wrenching chord progressions. Masterful Kibbe, painting a dark picture with that Dana Suisse piece, American Nocturne, from a 1940 recording of the 317 Wurlitzer in the United Artists Theatre, LA. Back in the 1990s, when I was working in the US under the guiding wings of Edward Millington Stout and Dick Taylor, a duo responsible for some of the West Coast's finest Wurlitzer organ restorations, I was lucky enough to be on organ duty, or standby, at the Paramount Oakland over the weeks when Jim Riggs played the intermissions during the theatre's classic movie festival. One night I walked up to Jim and asked if he would play one of my all-time favourite Riggsy arrangements.
And there you have it, Henry Mancini's beautiful Dreamsville, gilded there with 24 carat rigs, taken from his Paramount on Parade album, volume number two. When I asked Jim to play that piece, I wasn't sure if he would do it, as it's clearly not a run-of-the-mill arrangement, but he played it right off the cuff, and it was pure magic in that deco palace of dreams. Well, it's time to wake up from this dreamscape of emotions as we descend back down to the ground. Next week, Damon will be back at the microphone, but until then, thanks for joining me here. It's been a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you.